I feel the need, the need for a podcast about the films and career of Tom Cruise. Welcome to Cruise Views. Identical to the Mission Impossible theme, but for legal reasons, it's slightly it's different. Slightly different, but not much. <laughs> Hello, uh, and welcome to the podcast all about bartender Tom Cruise. Uh, we're exploring the films of Tom Cruise in chronological order to figure out how he became... Uh, what, I, what I've been saying is that he's one of our last ever movie stars. Uh, today you join us in 1988... For the film Cocktail, I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm joined, inevitably, by Tom Ashford. Hi. Hi, guys. I'm still here. <laughs> but we're also joined, we're also joined uh, by co-host of the now sadly defunct uh, I'm Scum, an Idols cast, and some other forthcoming podcasts that I think we'll probably get into later on, uh, Hayley Manbeck. Hello. Long time no speak. You, you've been on the, the music podcast and we've been on your music podcast, but this is the... This is the first time without Rooney, right? Yeah, and I will admit, I had some very big nerves about it for a hot minute, like sitting there going, oh no, can I do this without Rooney? And then Rooney laughed at me blatantly and was like, yeah, you're fine. Um, th- this is a film, uh, Cocktail is a film that you've picked. We'll get on to why, I think, a little bit later. Uh, but, but what is your relationship to Tom Cruise? What's your relationship with Tom Cruise like? Uh, uh turmoil filled i guess i don't know um i'm not i never would consider myself a huge tom cruise fan but if i go through the litany of tom cruise movies i would say like there are some that are full of my childhood there's some that like you couldn't escape so of course i watched it plenty there's some like mission impossible where like for some reason i skipped watching them for a really long time don't know huh. how that happened, but like, yeah, but this, this spectrum of Tom Cruise, I, I kind of missed the, missed the train of Tom Cruise for the most part. And it is a spectrum. It's a spectrum of Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned that like some, some of them are just like part of your childhood or, or you relate them to childhood. When did you first become aware of, of Tom Cruise to a point where you were noticeably like, that's Tom Cruise, or Tom Cruise is in that movie. Oh, so here's the thing about childhood brain, Haley, is that uh, I never made those connections for the longest time. It was like, this is a movie, this is a character, I do not put two and two together that they are in multiple movies that I watch. Like Tim Robbins right. and Shawshank Redemption. I watched a million movies with Tim Robbins in it probably, never put two and two together that I was like, oh, it's the same actor, duh. So it probably was like, 11 or 12 before I started putting two and two together that it was Tom Cruise. That's really interesting. Just what's like, what's like your earliest yeah. f- film then that, that you can think of remembering Tom Cruise in? Uh, honestly, probably this one. Like this, and I remember Risky Business, and I remember, uh, God, I think, uh, oh, another one that I want to bring up later, which is Far Away Home. You mean Far and Away. Far and away, that's what it's called. Because, Dang because it. Far away I home even... is the one with the girl who raises a bunch of geese, right? That's fly away home. What's far away home? Is it <laughs> one of know. the Spider-Man movies that's just come out? Maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. Like See, is. this is where I'm terrible. I'm so bad at titles. So yes, Far and Away is a movie that I vividly remember watching with my parents. That is a blind spot for me. I've not seen that. Tom, I'm assuming you haven't seen that either. No, obviously I've not. 
Right, okay, great. <laughs> you basically see any film, unless it's some really obscure thing that Adam really doesn't think that I've seen, in which case yeah. I have seen it. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, why did you pick this movie? We gave you, like, <laughs> basically carte blanche there- to pick any Tom Cruise movie you wanted. There are 47 options. There's 47 you could have had. So there were two movies that I, that I had on the tip of my tongue, basically, when you asked, and it was this and Far and Away. Because I was like, those right. are two ridiculous movies that I remember watching when I was a child that probably I shouldn't have watched as a child that <laughs> somehow I remember certain beats in it that I'm like, yeah, I liked that movie. But also when I revisit movies like that in my adulthood, always go poorly. So I wanted right. to experience this, I, this moment again. It had been so long since I rewatched it and I wanted a glass shattering moment in my life. Okay, so so we're we're here to, yeah. to see whether or not this holds up for you. <laughs> yes, which by the way, uh, I have two pages of notes. So <laughs> okay, well, we'll 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 see. Um, for for you, what is the essence of Tom Cruise? What does he bring to a movie? I'd say at least in his earlier films, charisma. He had a strong, charismatic smirk and like patter about him. I would say that's heavily on display in Cocktail. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> I would think so, for sure. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, we, we, should, we, should, we should get on to the movie. Uh, should I dive in, Adam? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So Cocktail came out in uh, July of 1988 in the States. We had to wait until uh, early t- uh, 1989 in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't know why that was. Uh, but yeah, first of two 1988 films for Tom Cruise. See the the next one being Rain Man for next week's episode. Sure. Uh, the film was directed by Roger Donaldson. And uh, Adam, have you ever heard of Roger Donaldson before? Yes. Dante's Peak. That's the only yes. Roger Donaldson <laughs> film I know. Another one yeah, of my exactly. favourites from childhood. He, he, well, well, he also did Species. <laughs> I've not seen Species. I don't know if that's surprising w- to you or not. I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother. Right, okay. <laughs> this is the alien who comes to Earth and wants to have sex with everyone. Is that Species? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's as bad as you think. I was going to say, that just sounds like bad porn writing, right? Yeah. yeah Maybe I'll give it a watch. Maybe I will yeah. give it a watch, Tom. <laughs> God. Uh, he also did Sleeping Dogs. I feel like I've heard of that, but I've never seen I it. I know the Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, sleeping dogs okay maybe that's what i'm thinking of or something i doubt it i don't know (laughs) anyway the most recent film we did was a documentary called mclaren in 2017 which i assume is about the car manufacturer but probably isn't and i don't care (laughs) (laughs) this is some cracking insight yeah this is uh, the writer was hayward gold who's uh he hasn't actually written a lot of films or tv he's uh he's worked on dog and cat rolling thunder a few episodes of The Equalizer, and he also worked, his, his last writing credit was 2001's Double Bang, which doesn't I've sound... I've never heard of any of that. When you no. said well, episodes double- <laughs> of The Equalizer, I was like, what, what do you mean, as far as I'm aware, that's a film? Yeah, there was a TV series originally, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Obviously it didn't have much of an impact, because you hadn't heard of it. He wrote the book, <laughs> though, right? That the, the film yes, based so on. Most of his screen credits seem to be screenplay adaptations of books he's written. Um, wow. I presume so. It's <laughs> it's possibly novelizations of his own screenplays. I'm not sure which way around these things go. <laughs> the latter is better. So he's he's a guy that is like, I've written this book. 
can I just write it again, but as a script? <laughs> Let's see if I can get paid yeah. twice for writing this. That does seem to be his entire career. <laughs> uh, and yes, yeah, starring, obviously, Tom Cruise, uh, who I think we, we know who that is by this point. Um, yeah. Brian Brown, uh, who's got 93 acting credits to his name. Uh, most of the stuff... <laughs> I did not recognise. I think he has not exactly had a huge impact in cinema. Uh, But he was in Gorillas in the Mist with Sigourney Weaver. Uh, He played Osiris in Gods of Egypt uh, with Gerald Butler and Chadwick Boseman. And he played uh, Peter Rabbit's father. He has one of those faces (laughs) that I'm sure I've seen in a bunch of movies. But I I cannot place him. Also, we should point out, we're very bad at remembering character names. Or anything that happened in the movie. And there's going to be a real issue here. Because the lead character played by Tom Cruise is called Brian. Yeah. And the the actor who plays his friend is called Brian in real life. And this is just going to get really confusing. So just fair warning on that one. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> Last of the, uh, the main cast, we've got Elizabeth Shue. Who I struggled to pinpoint where I knew her from for the entire sure. film. Before realising she's in The Boys, the TV show. Right, Elizabeth Shue's like seen. pretty, pretty famous, yeah. right? But that—that's the thing. Once I once I started looking at her IMDb page, I realised that she's actually in loads of stuff like Back to the Future Parts Two and Three, Leaving Las Vegas with Nick Cage, Hollow Man, uh, and Greyhound recently with Tom Hanks. Mm, I might be wrong, so, but this is sort of kind of the film that maybe launched her career in a lot of ways. I know she was in stuff was like de- um, like the yeah. Karate Kid and stuff like that. But this is still quite an early yeah. one for her, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely um. Yeah, the beginning. I think after this point was when she started doing stuff like leaving Las Vegas and obviously. Well, she did Back to like the Future as well. Yeah, she she plays Jennifer in, in in the sequels. I think. Oh yeah. Yes, I I actually haven't seen parts two and three. I've seen one. That's oh, really. Ridiculous. I know. <laughs> I know. And thing is, though, I actually really want to watch them, and they're not too long to be off putting. And they're just, so easy to find. And they're so fun as they're well. They're really like, easy to watch too. They're right there. I could watch it at any point. That's bizarre, Tom. That's bizarre. <laughs> Last week we talked about how you'd finally seen The Godfather. Can we, can yeah. we next week talk about how you finally see the, the Back to the Future sequels? Do we have to watch them back to back tonight? It helps. Back to back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Great. <laughs> Quality podcasting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Unless we want to get onto uh, how well it did, but I think we should probably leave that till after we've talked. There the are to some like really interesting things going on around the production of this movie, but I think we'll probably go through them after because some of them like kind of affect maybe your feelings on the movie. I don't know, and I think we should just go through the movie like ha- having seen it without knowing any of that context yet. I don't know. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I agree. Yep. Okay, well then let's watch Cocktail. Uh, <laughs> no, let's not. What an, <laughs> what an 80s film. Yeah. Like right from the first frame with like its neon title sequence and the music and, the and everything. Music. Oh my God. And I feel like we should be used to the 80s films by now because every film we've covered on this podcast so far has been from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, Risky Business, pretty 80s, you know. Um, losing it. Very 80s. Uh, But this is particularly 80s. Yeah. Yeah, well, the 80s had had a while to, like, sort of build itself up at this point, hadn't it? It had eight (laughs) years. 
That's true. So it really got its craft down. We're at peak 80s. I feel like movies in this era in general, in 1988, which, uh, my birth year, uh, but I feel like uh, this era was like a lot of reflecting on the 80s. So it just, if you want the 80s, there is no 80s more than the late 80s. Yes, pop culture starts to kind of eat itself. Yes. Right? And it starts to become very like self-referential. Not that there's any self-referencing in this. This is a very uh, contained movie. Does that make sense? It's not smart it's not smart enough to understand what it is. <laughs> oh, I'm really getting the impression you don't like this movie, Tom. Hmm, That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an opinion. We don't know how it will play out by the end of it, right? We don't know. That, yeah, I mean but I, I was certainly like I have to say, like the first uh and we've had this before. This reminds me of another film we've covered on this podcast already, Tom, this whole film. But uh I was into the first sort of twenty minutes, half an hour of this film. When it opens with like, you know, the kind of the police car with the lads being lads and Tom Cruise's introduction is him like standing out of the sunroof of a car and they pull over a coach so that he can get on oh, it I hated that. to go to New York. <laughs> you hated that. I hated it. It was it was obnoxious. It was like, wow, you guys suck. You're awful people. You're blocking a Greyhound bus. There's people on this bus that have places to go. Now you're on this bus. Okay. And what really made me mad was like, then he's playing with that baby and the lady on like on the bus. And I'm like, if I was that lady, I'd be pissed. You impeded me getting to New York on time. Like, I'm furious at you. Don't touch my baby. <laughs> but only by like one minute, no? Like, it wasn't stopped for that long. Was, well, I mean, it'd be a bit annoying if a car... The thing is, I'd also didn't clock immediately that it was a police car. I just thought it was a group of twats trying to overtake a bus and, like, flag it down. And I was like, Tom Cruise is playing a prick. Yeah, I kind of assumed that they were just people who had a siren light on their car and they were Im yeah. impersonating a police officer in order to do it because they were a bunch of post-army brats, like, <laughs> just being assholes. Maybe that is the Sorry, case. Sorry, am I allowed to cuss? Maybe that is the case. Uh, no. No, 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 but then, no, no, absolutely also, not. This when, is a podcast for children. When, <laughs> yeah. But when he's on the bus, I genuinely thought that, that he'd, he'd been put on with his, like, wife and kid. Oh. <laughs> I thought that's why he had to get on the bus, because he's suddenly sitting next to a woman and is holding the kid up going, hey, look, that's where we're going to, like, New York. And like, oh, okay, so apparently he's related to these people. And then the next shot is him getting off a bus by himself. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Apparently not. So it did. This film did not set up like continuity or any form of quality for me in the first like, well, at any point. But like at this point, I was. Just, it did not set itself off well. The main thing that uh, occurred to me in the opening few minutes of the movie is that Tom Cruise has looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you compare it to The Color of Money last week, where he has this kind of. Well, I'll get onto the nervous energy a little bit later, but he kind of has, like, he still has that baby fat like in, in, in his face because he's still very young. And if you look at all of the the films uh, that, that we've done so far, you, you go like, oh, that's a very young Tom Cruise. But in this one, you're like, that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. He suddenly has a jaw. Uh, he's sort of grown into his face. It's kind of the beginning of, um, of, of handsome Tom Cruise. And he just suddenly, he suddenly is Tom Cruise. It's really weird. The last few movies have been nervous energy tom cruise kind of locked down maybe lacking a bit of confidence uh and this this movie is so like the tom cruise show 
with all of that grinning and charisma and like I don't know I don't know how to describe it really he just suddenly seemed like a much more fully formed Tom Cruise than we've seen before I mean I'm gonna be honest when he when he first delivered his not maybe not his first line but when he's talking to his uncle like like the scene later my first thought was Tom is not acting well in this film. <laughs> That's interesting. His, his lines are so like wooden and hammy. Mm. Like he sort of just says them like really like just, I don't know, like staccato. It's just, it's just not like natural at all. Oh, see. That's interesting. Yeah. I kind of agree with Adam though on this. Like it's a little bit more than high school theater. He's a little bit past that. So at least he's got a little bit more grounding in him than then arms waving up in the air and going like, hello, why yes, I have achieved this line. Like he at least has a little bit more charisma behind his lines in this one. However hammy they are, because I agree they're hammy, but this whole movie I think is he's hammy. really failed by the writing, but I actually, yeah. uh, Tom, I think, I think Tom Cruise is good in this movie. To be honest, I made this note at the beginning by by the halfway through this film, I don't think I was necessarily like judging Tom Cruise on how hammy his <laughs> delivery was at that point. I was just sort of, you know, being swept along for better or worse. Yeah, uh, I mean, so much happens in this movie, and we're in the first couple of shots. So anyway, he gets back to uh, he gets back to New York. He goes to like his family bar, right, and he has a conversation with his uncle about making money, and there's a montage of job hunting until he walks into a bar where someone is pouring the worst drink I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Uh, you can find the recipe for it online, but it definitely involves a raw egg at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't drink it. <laughs> no. no. I'm not really sure what the point of that was either. Like, what is, It's to show him it's like, you know, he's like a weird guy, right? He's like a maverick who kind of... Well, maverick. He's like maverick. a guy who goes out and does things that are like not the norm, right? He's like a cool boss because he's the manager of, of the bar, right? I, yeah. I always was under the assumption after watching... So I watched this through twice to watch to have the right amount of notes for this movie. So just like Good it's Lord. fresh on the brain from this morning again, too. Um <laughs> I was under the impression when he poured that drink that that was the sign of like, I'm a bartender. I drink a lot. So I need a hangover cure at all times. Yes. And yeah, that as well. Like it definitely sets up that because they end up partying all night, every night, basically. Yeah. Right. It just gave me a whiff of when I had my first job interview at a bar because I worked as a bartender for a hot minute. And like, I'll get into that a little bit later. (laughs) (laughs) But it reminded me of my job interview where I'm like, the bartender that's hiring you the manager of the bar is actively drinking while interviewing you and just being ridiculous while you're getting interviewed. Like that wasn't too far off in my book. I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. Like a really eccentric dude, like asking you really inane questions that make no sense for bartending. That's a strange relationship with alcohol, isn't it? Uh, although this, this movie is very much like alcohol is very cool. <laughs> like all the way through, it's just there's nothing cooler than alcohol. Well, it was the 80s. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact it's, that they don't have everyone snorting coke is a. <laughs> it's a miracle. insane that there's no cocaine in this movie because the yeah. whole movie feels like it was written, made, and edited by people who were on cocaine. One hundred percent. And who were just going like, and then this happens, and what about this, and now this happens, and then this happens. Um, 
he gets the job. And he have that classic, like, he says, I think I can handle it. And we cut to him not at all handling it. Uh, he's, like, yeah. so shit at it. And there's, like, shades of... Tom, you've not you've not seen this. There's shades of, like, Jerry Maguire in, in, in this, I think, with, with what Tom Cruise is, is kind of doing. He's giving this, like, insane, manic... Uh, energy um, but there's also like there's this degree that he's like out of his depth he's not necessarily the guy that is always in control um, which is kind of par for the course for uh, all the movies that we've seen apart from Top Gun right yeah some people label this as like one of those movies you know we've talked about like how Top Gun is about how Tom Cruise is very good at something and then something happens that means he can't be good at it and he has to work his way back to being good at it. A lot of I was expecting that to be cocktail. I was expecting him to be like, oh, he's great at making <laughs> drinks and then something happens that means he's not great at making drinks so he has to make his way back to being great at making drinks. But it's not that at all. In fact, it's nothing. This film is absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Like, nothing happens in this movie at all. <laughs> to be fair, Adam, like, although obviously bartending is a skill, this is no way a judgment on anyone who very skillfully makes drinks, which I could not do for the life of me yeah but i can't imagine how someone without physical like real physical like impairment would not be able to go from i can make a drink really well oh no something's happened that stopped me from making a drink now i've got to build myself back up to making a drink like does does he lose an arm they've come out with a whole new recipe book and all the recipes are different yeah, people don't do drinks now. It's just cocaine, and he's like, "No, <laughs> but it's not the." <laughs> but it's not the. It's not the drinks, is it? That's the thing about this movie. It's all of mm. the throwing the drinks around, putting yeah. two drinks together to make one drink, putting ice in it. There's a lot of consideration. <laughs> Why do you think his his mojo gets knocked to such a degree? He can't put ice in the in the flask anymore. Yeah, exactly. He just keeps exactly. dropping his mojitos keeps everywhere. Dropping it. <laughs> keeps forgetting to put like rum in a in a Cuba Libra. Um I do love the fisheye lens that they used in it though, just to be like, hey, you want to have a panic attack? Here's your panic attack. It's a fisheye lens showing how bad he is at stuff. <laughs> it really does up the uh, up the anxiety. Um but I, I would bear I would okay, so 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 the scene where he uh He's having the job interview and he's kind of like a little bit cocky and this scene where he's panicking and then a scene coming up where he's suddenly amazing at making drinks, Tom. Yeah. That's Tom Cruise. Those yeah. three scenes are the blueprint for Tom Cruise's entire career going forward. And if the whole film had been like those those scenes, it could have been a good film. Yeah. This, this opening's kind of cool, right? Like he 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 starts to go to college to study um business. Uh, and he's learning how to make <laughs> drinks and then serving them, and he's better at it. But he's kind of being goofy. He's like Goofy Tom, which we haven't seen in a little while. But he just has these... Like, what's <laughs> what's his character motivation in this film? He just wants to be like a playboy, right? Is that it? Yeah, he just wants to be a businessman who earned a lot of money. He wants to be the 80s man. It's the man from the 80s. 
like the eighties man. <laughs> yeah. What what's the eighties? Oh man? God. So I even wrote down like he turns down a job because Wall Street, like early on when it was his uncle offering him a job, and then he's going to college because he needs to be on Wall Street, because that's New York dream is like being on Wall Street and being super rich and on Wall Street. Like literally the amount of times I felt hit over the head with like, look at us, we're talking about New York because it's for New Yorkers. This whole movie's for New Yorkers. Get it? Yeah. it, it it's a, it's an yeah. aggressively New York yeah. movie, especially for a film that is famous for being set in Jamaica, but only <laughs> about 24 minutes of the film are in Jamaica and the other, like the other 90 are in, <laughs> are in New York. Um, there's a weird, like, anti-capitalist, like, streak through this movie as well that is, like, never really capitalized on, if you it's, forgive the pun. It's, like, it's never fully realized, but also they can't decide. Like, they constantly are, like, anti-capitalist, but are they anti-capitalist or anti-rich people or pro-worker or are they just pro, like, working class sometimes? Are they just pro-bartender? Like, where does the line go? The answer to all of that is yes, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> um, he, he, has to, he has to write his own obituary, and it's like the lamest <laughs> obituary ever. He's like, died of old age after sleeping with an 18-year-old or something, right? Isn't it like something yeah. really lame yeah, like that? Yeah, it's something super gross. Oh, it's gross. Anyway, it kind of we flip back and forth between him like falling asleep at college uh, but having fun at the bar. Um, and it's like uh, a bit of a vibe movie. And it's more of an outwardly comedic performance from Tom Cruise than than you and I have seen so far. Tom, like Losing It and Risky Business yeah. are both comedies, but they're very straight man roles. And he just seems very comfortable in this kind of like, uh, in, in this more outwardly comedic role. And I think he learned a lot, like we were talking about last week, from Paul Newman, who, of course, serious actor, legendary films, can do funny as well. I think that, that working with Paul Newman really, really, really paid off for Tom Cruise in this one. Um, he has a caricature of a professor at the college <laughs> with this like oh, ludicrous moustache and slightly British accent. Going through business plans, his is to franchise a bar. He stands up to the professor. The professor fails him. And then they... <sighs> The problem with this, right, is it's such a vibe movie that it's difficult to actually pinpoint what's important to the plot and what's not. Yeah. Because none of it is. Yeah, well, yeah, but also all of it is. <laughs> because yeah. in, 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 in the same way that everything that comes up is paid off, nothing that comes up is paid off. So, like, they, um, they, him and his manager, so main character is called Brian, the actor of the second character is called Brian. What is the character's name? I have actually written this Doug. down somewhere. Oh, yeah, there we go. Doug. Doug. Hayley, thank you so much. Doug Cochran. Doug. Yes. Cochran. Doug Cochran. Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. So Doug is kind of like older than Brian, right? He's kind yeah. of a, almost like a mentor, but they get really drunk and decide to go into business together to set up their own place called Cocktails and Dreams. <laughs> which they say is a great name <laughs> which i'm not well they make fun about, of it themselves no. to be fair i will give them that doug makes fun of it blatantly where he's like what and they're like well yeah it's cheesy but we're gonna do it anyway like this movie it's cheesy we're gonna do it anyway and are they just living together now 
Because that seemed well, to sort of just jump into existence, didn't it? Well, isn't he living in the apartment in the very beginning that his uncle says he saved an apartment for him? Yes, that that sounds right. This is where, again, okay. nothing that no line matters while every line matters is like where this comes into play. Yeah, where I had to write exactly. it down because I'm like, where did that apartment come from? Oh, it's his uncle's. But they they are like, are they not? Are they not gay lovers? Like secretly? If you want to read into that subtext, Adam, you can. I, think, I won't stop I, you. I think I will heavily because I think it's I think it's through the whole movie. It'd make more sense. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it later. I don't understand why a middle-aged man is living in Tom Cruise's uncle's apartment. Otherwise, because where was he living before? No, oh, exactly. exactly. He must have his own place. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I got this through the whole movie, but we'll uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, they start chucking stuff about in in the bar. I mean. Like, you know, they're yeah. doing all the, the cocktail stuff because um, it's cocktail and the film's called Cocktail and they're drinking cocktails and you've got to have cocktails. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that is Tom Cruise and Brian Brown doing all of the cocktail stuff. Yeah, and Which, it's very impressive. Yeah, it adds a certain sort of weight to the, to, the, to the movie, doesn't it? Not real weight, but... Is the Tom Cruise learning a craft well enough that he can authentically do it on screen yeah. in action even if it's not you know it's not you know scaling the Burj Khalifa or whatever it is but it's uh well you've got scaling the Burj Khalifa you've got pool obviously from the color of money you've got yeah. the cocktail making from cocktails in more recent stuff you've got helicopter flying but I think one of the main ones is is impersonating a human being <laughs> <laughs> Which he's done incredibly well in and off camera. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. You can see the mask slip occasionally, I think. <laughs> the scene with them throwing the cocktails around, though, I think I finally pinpointed why Childhood Me liked this movie. And it's one of the few scenes where I went, oh, it's because they synchronized their throws and stuff. Like, they're synchronized in their actions. It looks like a dance. Like, they're fully planned out. It's choreographed. And musical theater nerd me was like, yeah choreographed cocktail throwing because that's a thing of course of course you love i forgot you love musical theater yes yes that makes so much sense there's also so much damn singing there is yeah yeah like how many times do we have to hear the chorus of addicted to love (laughs) so many times (laughs) in one scene so so many times we have to hear it so many times um I'm still having fun with this movie at this point. Um, it gets them like some work at a cool bar, and th- this is another like. There's some like weird anti-capitalist performance art going on, right? Where the Wall Street banker guy uh, performs a poem, um, uh, and but again, I can't really work out like I don't know what they're trying to say because the bar is modelled after a prison. And they have yeah, it's called the, the cell block. Yeah, and and they have the anti-capitalist performance art. You know, he he reads a poem, and then Brian Tom Cruise's character uh, reads another poem about how great alcohol is. Um, but I also couldn't work out why they were there because, as far as I in a normal movie, you'd be like, okay, I think we should set up our own place, and then you would cut to them starting to set up their own place. And it just cut to them working in a different bar. And I assume they're raising the funds, right? Yes. But also there's 
a single line, again, everything matters in this movie, single dude randomly while they're singing Addicted to Love goes, why are you working here? I've got a better bar for you to work at. You'll earn more money. Right, yes. Okay, so they're they're just changing jobs. Right, okay. God, this movie is so dense and layered, guys. (laughs) You really need at least three watches of it. (laughs) Yeah, just watch them two times in a row, and apparently you'll absorb the whole thing. I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that. Rot your brain. Just rot your brain. I was about to say it's unlikely that I'll see this movie again, but actually I think it's very likely that I'll see this movie again because I can vibe with with, with this movie. if I don't really like like it. Um, He's flirting (laughs) with uh, Gina Gershon. Don't know the character's name. It's Coral. Uh, and they have a very confusing sex scene. Yeah, is she yelling? Is she ex- is she happy? Because she seems really mad about it part of the way through. She does. Uh, <laughs> she seems like she might need help from someone. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> if it's a 1980s movie, it, you know, she might be mad about it halfway through. And, you know, the scene will just be played fine anyway. I legitimately believe she got the part strictly... Strictly because Gina Gershon does weird shit all the time. And I really do have a feeling that like, they're like, this sex scene will take somebody that's willing to go a little bit weird. Are you willing to do it, Gina? And she went, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise probably. movie and get I, to be weird about it. I believe what, it, what actually happened was that Tom Cruise found out she was ticklish uh, and started tickling her while they were just sort of like between takes uh, and that's the take they left in the movie for some reason. So there are actual like proper sex scene takes, but they decided to to leave in the one where it looks like he's murdering it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they fall off the bed, so it's okay. It's comical. Yeah. It took me until it's we laughs a minute until she was actually laughing. I was like, something's wrong. This is not the movie I remember. Yeah, lots of thrashing. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they become an item and she starts hanging out at his apartment they plan to make money in jamaica tom cruise does a jamaican accent which i think we can all agree is very cool and appropriate mm. uh yes <laughs> and it's aged and nobody, well yeah it's aged really well he's really good at it and nobody has any issues with it is that is that right yeah let's move on <laughs> great we'll just move straight i actually on. wrote down a line saying please stop talking tom cruise it's horrible it's really Really horrible. Yeah. Um. She is going to come with them to Jamaica, which they, which, which the two guys who are definitely lovers, uh, discuss over basketball. Um. And Doug bets Brian that Coral will sleep with someone else. And then the next, like a couple of nights later or whatever, when they're in the bar. Does it? It turns out that he won the bet by making that happen. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think you're allowed to do. I think that's like insider trading. I think the bet becomes <laughs> null and void. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's Tom Cruise's concern at that point. I think that's scene. what he was angry about. It was like, well, yeah. now I don't actually owe you money or anything because you, you know, this is not how bets work. Yeah. <laughs> no, did I read that wrong? Strangely anti-capitalist message for this capitalist anti-capitalist film. Yeah, it's insider trading. <laughs> Bring it back to Wall Street. It's all, it's all there. But I, I mean, he he finds out, and it's literally like the next scene. I think uh, because they're working back at the cell block bar, and Coral comes in and just makes out with Doug in front of Brian, and. 
my head was spinning. I was so confused. But basically she dumps Brian for bragging about their sex life to Doug. So Brian punches Doug through the bar. (laughs) 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 And then Doug gets up and and holds a broken bottle to Brian's neck. (laughs) Brian's like, come on then, cut me. And it's like, it's out of nowhere. This is the scene where I started to feel like they cut out some more scenes than than they needed to cut out. Like there were some clear scenes in the middle of this missing where it's like... Yeah, it it feels like three movies like piled on top of each other. And I think if they were making it today, we'd obviously get a cocktail trilogy. Yeah, or a cocktail mini series. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Do you know what? It wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be great. No. Um, <laughs> but it was it was such a tonal shift that I was just like, oh, okay, we're in the same territory. And tell me if you agree with me here, Tom, as endless love. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff's just happening, and you just have to have to go. Yep, yeah, sure. You just fine. go. Okay, that's what's happening now. He's burned her house down. I can follow it, but it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because immediately after that fight scene, cut to Jamaica, <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's like two or three years later, um, and it's full of uh, pasty white people at a bar where Brian is serving <laughs> drinks, uh, and. Elizabeth Shue says her friend has passed out on the beach, and then rather than get help, Brian runs to the beach and rescues her, and it's a bit of a meet-cute. And we're in, now, a completely separate movie. Yeah, 100%. Which, by the way, I'd also like to point out, at no point so far do we know Elizabeth Shue's name. Character's name. I've called her Elizabeth Shue in my notes. <laughs> I don't think I work out what her character's name is until quite a lot later in in my notes. I think I might do it about three scenes from the end. In my second to last paragraph, I have Jordan. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got third third to last paragraph. It takes until she's not in Jamaica for them to call out what her name is. And it's an offhand comment by her friend saying, what did you do to Jordan? And that's it. Yes, that is the first time you, you, you know her name. And it's it's just such a dense movie, guys. You've really got to pay attention. I just love that so far we've had an issue where Coral's name wasn't brought up until the two guys were talking about her. We don't get Jordan's name until she leaves Jamaica. And like the friend who you find out the friend's name then, which I don't even remember, um, as well as Jordan's name then. Haley, are you suggesting that this film doesn't depict women well? <laughs> mm. Am I suggesting yeah, it, or I'm, I'm, am I just blatantly <laughs> pointing it out? <laughs> yeah, either one. Either one. <laughs> Not a sympathetic portrayal of the women in this film. Uh, because it's all about the uh, gay relationship between the two central characters. I swear to God it is. <laughs> of course. Um, she returns to the bar at some point after Brian has rescued her friend and the chemistry is uh, absolutely dead, right? (laughs) Elizabeth Shue, Tom Cruise, there's nothing going on there. There's no spark uh, at all, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think this film has much spark, full stop. Well, that's not true because suddenly Doug turns up again and, oh. and one, this movie Randomly. is like churning through the gears because we, I know it's been two years later, even though that hasn't been revealed yet. But 
we only saw Doug, what, four minutes ago? And we're supposed yeah. to be, like, surprised that he's here and he's still a part of the movie. It's very weird. It's very weird. He says to Elizabeth Shue that, that Brian, he's the best bartender. It's his downfall. But Doug reveals that he's married and they're on his honeymoon, which seems, you know, unlikely. And then we're back in a vibe movie. It's just a different vibe. And all of the bad blood between Doug and Brian is gone, right? Yeah, well, it's weird, isn't it? It's just this weird, like hate love hate chemistry between the two main like two main men chemistry yeah i know they do have chemistry yeah, yeah which is like, you can say about him and elizabeth they Shee. basically just insult each other <laughs> yeah but never go as far as to say why why are you here like because also jamaica isn't that big a country but it's not so small that if you booked a honeymoon there knowing that <laughs> right. your ex b- potential business partner now works there like it, it's not that easy to fit perfectly into like the same little like resort and know exactly where the bartender it's is. It's just as confusing as how the only people they meet this entire time in Jamaica are other New Yorkers. <laughs> At no point is there anybody that's not a New Yorker in Jamaica. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> They're all from New York. That's so unlikely. But... The- like, the Doug thing is so unlikely that I was thinking, okay, well, did he know that he works in a bar there? Has he come to, like, exact revenge? Uh, what's going on here? What's his motives? And do you know what? It's never paid off. <laughs> you never find out. I think it's just coincidence, but also essential to the plot. I feel like you're... <laughs> the longer we have to talk about it, the more it fits better if it is that they're just star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Especially with, like, in a few scenes time. Like, uh, anyway. He starts hanging out with... uh, I've just written shoe in my notes. He starts (laughs) hanging out with shoe at a party. They make out on the beach and they flirt. And they go on fun dates, like the tank top jeep and the tank top swimming. And she draws (laughs) him. And it's fucking awful. It's the like worst. I know I know the movie I know the movie points out he he says like oh it doesn't even look like me but like Tom Cruise has such a distinctive face and the drawing looks nothing like him at all it's insane why leave that in Are they I, see I'm still confused about their assessment of her artistry because like there's so many backhanded compliments towards her art that maybe they're actively saying she's not a good artist like well, they can't give her a positive attribute to the character <laughs> right. That's true. No kidding. Oh, she's an artist, but she's a shit one. (laughs) Stupid movie. This isn't a good film. It's not. Uh, But they just vibe. There's no chemistry, but they vibe. And the middle of the film is just kind of like a nice holiday, right? Uh, They have sex by the campfire. Like, nothing happens. Nothing has happened. There is one great thing that happens right after the by the fire moment. They're chatting and they're talking about like what they want to do in the future, but as their like ideal fantasy, right? And the best joke of the entire movie comes up, which is her saying that he's going to make grass skirts and he goes, oh, what? Thatch one, pearl two. And I was just like, I knit. And I just started laughing. I was like, who else was this joke for? Who else was this joke for other than people who know what knitting is? I don't get it. 
<laughs> I don't understand it at all. Why like, did they put this joke in? It still makes me laugh because I'm just sitting there and I actively had to rewind the movie last night while I'm watching it going, did this just really happen? Who else knows how knitting works to where they got to make that joke for themselves? In a, in, a, in a blockbuster movie, there's a knitting joke. Okay, I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> Straight over my head. Straight over my head. Does any- Adam, this is very important information. So I was going to say that the waterfall... I thought I'd been to it, but I hadn't. <laughs> well, thank you for interrupting me for that. Like, that's yeah, great. that's all right. I got really excited in my notes. So I was like, oh, I've been there. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> but I have been to the one in which they used to film Dr. No, and that's considerably better. Okay, great. Let's carry on, Adam. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Uh, does anybody understand what the stakes of the movie are at this point? There are none. No, and we're halfway through. And mm. almost, and there's there's nothing. There's no emotional or narrative stakes. At this at, at this point, it's a new movie. Like they've created a completely different realm where, like, they've already wrapped it up. This is this is part two. Like this is of the trilogy. This is, I guess, part two. But they've already wrapped up the movie by him having gone to Jamaica. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I'll quite happily watch the first half of this movie again and again because it's just Tom Cruise being handsome, running around in Jamaica. With Elizabeth Shue. And that seems, that's fine. That's fine. I think they had to create stakes later. They do, yeah. There's a lot of work to create um, <laughs> tension and, and stakes. Uh, there's another scene where Brian is serving at the bar and, and Doug and they're sort of like, they're being bitchy to each other. Uh, and the sexual chemistry is palpable. They get really close to each other and you're like, just kiss. Just kiss each other. Because I think that's all they want. And, and, you, and you learn, like, the further and further you get into the movie, like, how close their relationship actually is, they should just be together. Yeah. That's it. Uh, he, he, Doug goads Brian about how he couldn't get a rich woman that turns up to the bar. So Brian then flirts with this rich woman and, and his game is like horrible it's the worst kind of macho 80s coke fueled shite uh but it works <laughs> preposterously it works. It's the 80s yeah i loved it um and but oh elizabeth shoe she who still doesn't have a name sees him leave uh with the other woman um and the next morning i think he's like real sad about it right uh and uh, runs to see Jordan the next morning, but she's already left. And yeah, Haley, back to New York. Yeah. Preposterously, everybody's <laughs> from New York. Just everyone's going back to New York. Uh, we also find out that the rich woman's name is Bonnie in that scene. So yeah, it's like they all of a sudden remember that women need names in this movie, and that's when they all of a sudden flood you with women's names. Yes, <laughs> this is the scene where we're going to tell you all of the women's names. Yeah. Um, that I mean, that Bonnie is now like fawning over Brian because he's just so irresistible, right? Um, and it seems like he's really good friends with Doug again, and they make plans to to go back to New York and 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 Doug, you know, because he's married to a, a rich woman, is going to set up his own place. Brian has that same deal with Bonnie now. Although at some point I think the decision is made that, that he's going to get a salesman job in like a big company 
And they both kind of go to each other about like, oh, I bet you fail. No, I bet you fail. And then we're back to New York. We're honestly we're 24 minutes in Jamaica for this movie where the one thing I knew about it going in was it's Tom Cruise in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie's for New Yorkers. It is for New Yorkers, yeah. He, he becomes like her fancy boy. Because <laughs> 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 like, he's living with, uh, with Bonnie and, and, and is quite um, subservient to her. I guess that's the right word. Uh, because I, I mean, he's only in that relationship because he wants that job, right? Which she is, yeah. seems to be delaying giving him. And the, and she, they, he, he, they show him the fact that he really doesn't even like her. Like he wakes up to find her doing like yoga in front of him, and his, his face is just like, oh Christ Almighty! Yeah, and there's some level of like them almost portraying it where they're like, look, he's a good guy because like he got into the situation and like she sucks because she's delaying it. And it's like, no, you suck. You got into this relationship strictly to get a job. Like what? What is wrong with you? Tom Cruise's character sucks in this movie. Like everything bad that happens to him is because he's done something to deserve it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, he walks past a diner and sees Jordan waitressing in the diner, and he's real sad about that as well. Uh, he goes with his girlfriend to a gallery opening, and something that occurred to me in this scene was that he's short, which is something that we haven't really seen yet, and, and it happens very rarely. When Tom Cruise works with a director that he trusts, he will allow that director to to portray him as being quite short, which he is, like relatively short i suppose he's below average height for a man who cares either way but the the thing everyone says about tom cruise is oh tom cruise is short fine which means he's objectively less of a man adam of course well yes of course there's less of him yes of course i'm sorry yes i forgot about your strong stance my strong stance five (laughs) five eleven or or above otherwise not a man okay great that's the realm of women okay okay tom pipe down (laughs) i do not endorse my own opinion okay yeah disclaimer but he is um he he will uh, you know he does try and build up his height in some movies and whatever but when he finds someone he trusts he allows himself to be short when it calls for it he's quite short in jerry Maguire. it's weird that i'm calling him like noticeably short in some movies but it's usually a, a good sign that Tom Cruise is vibing with something to do with the production and that he understands the need uh, for speed and also the need to be, uh, you know, slightly more diminutive in a scene. And he is, like, small in this scene. Everyone is kind of above him and, like, looking down on him figuratively. So it's, it, there's a nice parallel there in, in, in the direction. Um, he gets drunk and he has a fight with the artist and needless to say they break up um, he says everything ends badly otherwise it wouldn't end which doesn't mean anything <laughs> I mean, it's just it just doesn't it's not anything it's, it, I don't know I can't even begin to fathom what that means it's really deep Adam. <laughs> is it it's really deep is it am, am yeah. I just not getting it is it like the rest of the movie where I'm just not getting it it's so deep and yet it's so shallow I want to know the age of the person who wrote this when they wrote it like when they wrote cocktail because i want to know if it was like early 20s guy who just got dumped and know if he was just like 
everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end. <laughs> and just like leaving it at that, thinking he was deep. I think he was mid thirties. Yeah. I I, too, I, I think old. he was like my like <laughs> like our age guys. <laughs> like I yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's like a semi-autobiographical book about his time working as a bartender in New York, uh, right? Except the lead character in, in the book is actually a bit older than Tom Cruise is portraying him. He's more kind of Doug's age in the book, I think. Yikes. Sad times. <gasps> that sounds like uh, a British diner. After breaking up with uh, Bonnie, he goes to the diner with the express, the express purpose of stalking Jordan, uh, I suppose. Um, she's not happy to see him pours food all over him, which I thought was quite funny. Um, so uh, he does the logical thing and starts hanging around outside for waiting for her to finish work, pretending to be blind. I actually feel like that might have been a different night because he's not covered in food. Oh, it is yeah, no, yeah, he had to go away and at, at least wash and then and then come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he obviously comes back numerous days to pester her, and inexplicably. She invites him up to her apartment, uh, where Tom Tom Cruise. I'm just going to call him Tom Cruise. Where Tom Cruise um, tries to kind of explain what it was that happened in Jamaica, and he says it's not as bad as it seems. And when he explains it, it's exactly as bad as it seems, <laughs> if not worse. <laughs> he says he was dared to. Yeah. Imagine if he was just like, "Oh, I made a mistake." Yeah. He's like, dare's a dare. You can't turn down a dare. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about a romantic emotional connection when you've got a dare from your, the guy you haven't seen for three years? Exactly. When you, last, when you last saw, you punched because he made out of your girlfriend. And her response to that is, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Which but not t- because of his excuse. <laughs> no, 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 no. His excuse wasn't so effective that she's now pregnant. No, it's just- it was from when they uh i mean was it is it clear i I have no idea how much time has passed at this point in in the movie she's pregnant with his child we are we assume i mean yeah she is isn't she yeah she because he asks like is it mine and she kind of looks at him like how dare you ask so it's definitely the that's true yeah and then she kicks him out and he goes back to the family bar for like uh advice and then just sort of continues to stalk her um, he goes to her apartment and is banging on the door and then her neighbour does her absolutely no favours by immediately giving him her parents' address. Yeah. Like, not looking out for your gal at all. It's just like, she's not here, you're going to have to go and stalk her somewhere else. <laughs> but the big, like, twist is, it's a fancy building. And it's a big shock because it turns out she's rich, right? Oh, what a yeah. what a twist! If only he'd known. What a twist! What a twist! She's guys. such a liar. What a twist! Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but what what I love about this is that the idea is that her family's really rich, so she doesn't need to work in a waitressing job. But she somehow seems to be doing a waitressing job in order to throw off. Tom Cruise or any other potential Tom Cruise, which means she's solely working in a job she doesn't want or need for the possibility that someone might come along and go, oh, hello, have a connection with them, and then she can throw off the fact that she's from a rich family. See, this was my one, like, okay moment where I was just like, maybe she's trying to just not 
take advantage of coming from a rich family and just like try to make it on her own. Like that's where my brain was going like, oh, they probably don't like that she does art and wants to survive on doing art. So she's going to go do art on her own in this gorgeous apartment that clearly a waitressing job is not paying for um, <laughs> in the middle of Manhattan. That, that was my read as well. It's like it, it's, a, it's a very bohemian uh, apartment and she's obviously like, the wild child of the family. I mean, what was she doing in Jamaica? She went traveling with her friends, right? Yeah. That seems, you know, she, she could have like a very, very nice uh, apartment. And I think it's a great apartment, but it's maybe not like a rich person's uh, apartment. I'm really hung up on your turn of phrase, Tom, which was to protect against Tom Cruise or potential Tom Cruise, which is <laughs> implies like a state where you may or may not be Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> how do you know until you've been Tom Cruised? You never know. You never know. Uh, Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom Cruise. Brian talks to her father, who is not impressed, and offers him a check to just sort of fuck off. And again, there's like interesting stuff about money and stuff here that again is just never really. It's nominally paid off in this case, but they could have really dug a little bit deeper in, in the same way that Risky Business did. Uh, into this sort of like murky world of pro anti capitalism sort of sort of stuff the the idea that a dad would just pay someone off uh to not be in their grandchild's life is an interesting theme that i don't think was 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 properly explored brian weirdly takes the moral high ground <laughs> even though he has no right to do so at this moment um and then I guess, uh, I guess she does say that, like, because uh, because she comes back and he tries to convince her to give him a second chance. She sort of says that she was afraid that he'd only be interested in the money, um, so he tears the check up in 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 front of her. And it's at that moment that I realised this movie like stopped being funny, like an hour ago, like yeah. for a comedy. Take me back to like. Just them. There's just the two guys hanging out in New York. The cell block. <laughs> yeah, back to cell block. Back to the uh, the the shit bar the f- that they were working in. That's what I thought this movie was going to be. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's not actually. I mean, obviously, he does still work as a bartender throughout. Uh, you know, in Jamaica, to be fair. But like, yeah, he basically just stops doing anything interesting as he's the best bartender or he's an up and coming bartender. Well, it starts like when when he punches Doug in the face. Yeah, and after that yeah. point, it's not really about bartending. Well, it starts to become self serious. Like the writing, all of a sudden, is like, oh, this is the serious part where like I'm covering all of these big issues, and like women are liars, and like rich people are bad, but also rich people are good. But also, if you want to be rich people, you're good. Yeah. So my takeaway from the movie was rich people are good, women are bad. And it's it's how I'm going to choose to live my life from now on. I think, <laughs> at least until next week. Yeah, at least until next. At least, at least. Uh, you're right. Like it's so self serious, and it gets even more self serious as we get towards the, like the end of the movie when Brian sneaks into uh, Doug's bar to try and get a job. It's revealed that Doug's wife is just going around kissing everyone. So I think their doubts about that relationship were like well founded because Haley, as you said, and I will quote you on this: "Women are bad." <laughs> so that's a direct quote from you. Uh, but <laughs> so 
So his wife is going around kissing everyone, but the people who should be kissing are these two men. We've established <laughs> that. Uh, they drink the brandy that they gambled with uh, on 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 a boat, and and Doug reveals that he's like lost all the money. Um, you know his 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 wife's money. He's used it all, and he's he's bankrupt. Um, they're interrupted by the wife who wants to go home, but Doug is drunk, so Brian drives her in a car. And there's a lot of business to kind of, like you said earlier, Haley, artificially raise the stakes. They need to get Doug drunk, depressed, and on his own. So they need to manufacture a way for that to happen. Um, because uh, Doug's wife then tries to seduce Brian, but he breaks it off. And when Brian goes back to find Doug on the boat, Doug has killed himself. Uh, in qu- quite a gruesome scene, I screamed out, "Oh God, this got dark!" And <laughs> yeah, really horrible. The su- the sudden turn to uh, Tom Cruise's face and like the the expression on his face, and then him sc- screaming out dramatically, "Somebody help me!" He touches the blood yeah. though too, which is it's wild. Horrendous. Like he touches down and touches this chocolate syrup that's colored red, and like it's goopy, and he just goes, "What is this?" And that's when it dawns on him. It's not this huge broken <laughs> bottle with like a puddle around his friend's neck. It's such a horrible image. It's one of the only images that stands out from this movie for me, and I really wish it wasn't. Oh, it's, no, I'm gonna be honest. I, I rewound uh, so that I could watch the somebody help me line again. <laughs> I think it's my favourite bit of the entire film. Okay, it's like a that. sort of slightly too close up on Tom Cruise's face as he sort of twists his head away from the camera <laughs> screaming somebody help me. I think what's wild to me is I watched this movie now twice in a row. Like, And I'm a big crier in movies. Like... It, Put me down in front of any movie that has even any emotional stakes at all and put in even the cheesiest, most like very clearly manufactured sad moment and I'll still probably cry at it. Um, This movie had zero of that. Where like, I sat there and I was like, wow, this got dark. But like at no point was I was like emotionally distraught. I was just sitting there like, huh. Hmm. Okay. It's be- it's because you are an hour and a half into an hour and 40 minute long movie where things have just happened and then happened and then happened and you're forced to go, oh, okay, that's happening now. Oh, okay, that's happening now. So by the time it gets around to one of the main characters who you have formed some kind of emotional connection to, I suppose, when it comes to them committing suicide, it's just another thing that's happened in the movie. And that's kind of all it is. Uh, yeah. But he had written a note for Brian, and it's so gay. It's the gayest note. It's it's fantastic. It's talking about how much, like, like it, through, through all of these years, the only thing that's ever meant anything to Doug is Brian. And it's fantastic. It's great. They should have just been kissing the whole movie. The movie should have just been, uh, they work in a bar together and they kiss a lot. They go to Jamaica on holiday together, and then they come back and they just live in New York together. And that's it. That's the whole movie. That would have been a lot more uplifting. Yeah, it would have been a lot more uplifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we could have covered it on 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 your uh, upcoming podcast as well. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> d- d- Brian not allowed to see Jordan, but he sneaks in anyway, which is insane. Um, and there's a, like this big confrontation. She leaves with him after he rescues her from her own security. Does I? That's sort of like a fairly good account of what happens. I think I, I couldn't work out. I mean, like basically, she realizes she she loves him, right? Yeah, yeah because because of plot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote down rescue Jordan yeah. from her family. Or wait, what? 
because like legitimately, yeah. <laughs> like, are you rescuing her? Because she was fine. Yeah. yeah, he's he's rescued her from the arms of her family, who seem to want the best for her. Yeah, uh, well, what every I think I can speak on on behalf of women when I say sure. this. Uh, that yes. every every pregnant woman wants what every pregnant woman wants is yeah. to be torn away from a financially stable scenario by a man who mm. doesn't even have a job. Yeah. Uh, who who got her knocked up and then disappeared because he was bet to sleep with another woman. Yeah, yeah and, and he's recovering dream. from the serious trauma of having seen his friend kill himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's every woman's dream. Ideal, <laughs> uh, it's an ideal position from which to start a stable relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They will not. They will not get divorced six months into the baby being born. They even no, make no, no, jokes no. Well, about that. Babies. Tom, because they have a big party at what is now called Flanagan's Cocktails and Dreams. We should point out at this stage of the movie, 30 seconds from the end, Flanagan uh, is his surname. Uh, I had to double check that it wasn't to do with Doug at this point. I was (laughs) like, did they name it after Doug? Is it Doug Flanagan? Yeah. Uh, He does a poem. Uh, It's revealed to be twins. The movie ends. Who cares? It isn't a rush to end, though. He he makes a terrible comment about if it's a girl, I'll it's terrible, and then like finds mm. out it's twins. Well, women are bad, remember? <laughs> and then she wouldn't have got a name. But they they <laughs> cut to black, don't even fade to black, while audio is still running for this movie, and you got you get credits while they're still cheering from his final words of it's twins. Drinks are on the house. Like they are in a rush to end this movie. They want to be gone. They want they wanted they want it done. And I think that's the case for like the last ten minutes. It goes from like Doug's death to rescuing her to everything's good now in like less than ten minutes. I think. Um, uh, the movie is uh, a mess. <laughs> That's putting it lightly, yeah. right? Yeah, it feels really aimless. I, I feel like the stakes are never actually set up. They set up stuff and then abandon it for something else, only to then abandon that for something else. And I think a more skilled director would maybe pull that off. Like Paul Thomas Anderson would pull off pulls off that kind of vibe all the time where things just sort of happen because they happen and it's just a vibe movie. But it just comes across as a bit messy. And and I, I think the endless love thing, like they're both book adaptations and both yeah. both movies feel quite novelistic. I don't think that's a word. I don't think novelistic is a name. But they both feel like movies made from books because that structure for a book would probably work quite well as like a semi-autobiographical memoir kind of thing, right? If you if you went deeper into the characters, then sure, because yeah, random stuff can happen if you've got a good like if the reader has a good emotional connection to the characters, you can basically take them on any journey you want. Yeah. And as long as there's some sort of like emotional transformation, i.e. what well what this film tries to do, which is Flanagan Brian Flanagan's uh inability to commit is what is supposed to be his central character flaw that he overcomes by the end. I'll take your word for it, like, Tom. He, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they mentioned that he, he gets spooked. You know, he, he can't just stick with one girl. He can't stick with a job or what. You know, it d- right. does, isn't, isn't shown in the film at all, but there's yeah. lines of dialogue at the end to suggest it. But the, like that, you could do that in a, in a novel, but, and you could do that in a film, to be honest, but in, in this, like, that's not the reason why Brian goes off with the old woman in Jamaica. So it doesn't work as some sort of, character transformation of he had had an inability to commit and by the end he's in a committed relationship with a woman he loves yeah 
He just I, took a dare. I think with a book, um, it it takes you a number of hours to read it, uh, and this has an hour and a half mm. to try and churn through all of these uh, plot developments. So it just comes across as very like haphazardly sort of sort of thrown together. Haley, did it stand up for you from your your childhood memories of it? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I. The first watch through, I sat there and I just went like, childhood me is an idiot because I clearly liked the synchronization of cocktail making and probably like some of the music in it and didn't pay attention to anything else because undiagnosed ADD happened. Um, I think that's probably the best way to watch the film though, is to listen to the music and watch the synchronized thing tossing. Yeah, just look out for the lights and and none of the plot. Because there isn't really any plot that's succinct or put together. And then just ignore the rest of it and just laugh along with your dad while he's laughing at whatever he's laughing at, thinking that you're <laughs> totally in on the secret. I have to say, though, I didn't necessarily have a bad time with it. Yeah, I mean, I was able to watch it twice. Like, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, very, very watchable in a way that Endless Love... I, like, I never want to see Endless Love again. That was a real slog. No. This didn't feel like a slog. It just felt, like, hollow, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, doesn't, it wasn't that I hated watching it. It's just... It's so empty and vacuous and has nothing to say and nothing actually happens. And the things that do happen don't connect properly to have any meaning. Yeah. It's a bit like Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> Oh, so, here we go. I haven't seen it. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Well, t- Tom, Tom just gave you a perfect description of it. So, <laughs> yeah. so no need. Think, I'm, I'm going to score, score cocktail, and I'm going to give it a 1.5 out of 5. What do you think of that? I, I am also going to give it a 1.5 out of 5. Okay, interesting. We've synced up a lot on this, uh, on this yeah. podcast, Tom. Uh, I even saw your Letterboxd review before going in and thought, no, I'm going to like it more yeah. than that. And I just didn't. <laughs> um, <No. laughs> Haley, what, what, are you into scoring movies? What, what have you given this? Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to give it a one out of five. I'm not even Ooh. giving it a 1.5 because like at no point does anything stick out to me enough to like want to watch it again. It was an hour and 45 minute movie that felt like a three hour movie that I sat twice through and I'm happy going another 20 years without watching it again. Okay, so we are committed to in 20 years doing this again, right? I'm down. <laughs> see, see, seeing, where it, seeing where it lies then. Imagine uh, watching this film in 2042. It will have aged even worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not even the most important score that we do on the podcast, though, because we need to talk about the cruiseness. Now, the cruiseness, it's a, it's a broad church. I, I tend to score the film on how well it utilises cruise. Tom, you tend to score on how Cruise Cruise was taken out of the context of the movie. Haley, you can you can define the essence of Cruise however you like. Um, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Jesus, <laughs> because the film is bad, but I really don't think that that's Tom Cruise's fault. I actually think that he is quite good in this, and there's decent range. 
but the film is like working against him. He's 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 a bit manic. He's charming. He's brooding, and he just seems very focused for a reason that I'm going to get onto in in a in a, in a few minutes uh, time on this podcast. He's also handsome as fuck, and this film is designed to just be look at this fucking handsome guy. That's all the film is. And so, in terms of the film being just look at this fucking handsome guy, Tom Cruise, fucking handsome guy. I'm only going to give it a nine because although he while he does run. It's not the proper Tom Cruise run. Right. Okay, so that's just a little... We're just going to take a little point off of that. Okay. Well, I'm going to give him a 6 out of 10. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I'm, because... I'm going to warn you right now, Tom. We're yeah. going to go back over these at some point, and you're going to change your mind, because this just is Tom Cruise, this movie. That may be, but I, I wasn't... I didn't really... I mean, I, I didn't like this film, and... I didn't really like his performance. I don't think that's necessarily, like we discussed earlier, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. It's the writing. It's being in a film that's just fundamentally shit. <laughs> but, but so I don't really rate him very highly in cruiseness on that. I don't think he's manic enough to get the full, like, cruise mania. And I don't think he's charming enough because the film doesn't give his character any charm. Like, he's an actively dislikable character throughout the entire film. Yeah. But... He does juggle those cocktails in a very synchronized way. And right. I do appreciate committing to a craft, which is the essence of cruise. That's so true. six out of ten. Six out of ten. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I, that's interesting. That's interesting. I maybe have a better idea of what cruise is uh than you, especially later in his career. I can see lots of shades oh, yeah. of different crews uh through throughout this. Haley, the cruiseness of cocktail. I, I'd say a 7.5. I'm going to split the difference between the two of you. Um, lovely. I think lovely. I agree with equal points on both of what you're you're putting out on what, what you're saying. And I agree. I think the character itself, not likable at all, but you get Tom Cruise being very charismatic, very attractive, and throwing cocktails around. And even though you hate his character, somehow you feel charmed a little bit. Yes, exactly. Just kind of like, oh, but... But I don't hate you. Why don't I hate you? You just said I deserve a chance. And all you want to do is open a string of Bennigans. <laughs> like, that's all you want to do. <laughs> oh, you've nailed the stakes of this movie. That's it. That's all he wants to do. <laughs> Would you recommend this movie? No. <laughs> Haley, would you recommend not. this movie to others? I think my belief in society says no. Because it's confusion mm. about capitalism in and of itself lends itself to also being like, no, I'm not going to recommend it. It doesn't have a point to it. it there's no point to mm. this movie. I'd absolutely recommend this movie. Really? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Uh, to who? <laughs> anyone. To who? It's a good time. I had a good time. <laughs> it's, it's not a good time. No, nah, shut up, Tom. I had a good time. It's the third. It's it's the third worst Tom Cruise movie we've come across, and I am willing I to was, bet. I was it's hanging the third out. Third worst Tom Cruise movie we do. I was hanging out with Tom Cruise in Jamaica. I had a good time. It's fine. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. If we if <laughs> if we actually did an episode about actually hanging out with Tom Cruise in Jamaica, ten out of ten. What would the cruiseness? That'd of that would be a be? great experience. And if Tom Cruise wants to take us there. 10 out of 10. I imagine okay. it would go mental you know, having run punches all over the shop. What if we cut the movie in half and we just do up to the part where they're in Jamaica for the first like 15 minutes of it and just be done? Yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 10 out of 10 movie. 
just just a weird vibe movie. Yeah. Um, we we've talked about. Uh, I'm going to be very boring now. We, we've talked about how the film is based on on this like semi autobiographical book, uh, and I think that the film, as it was originally written, was much sadder and darker. And it did star an older lead who was maybe around the same age as, as the Doug character, something like that. But the movie, and this is the production stuff I was talking about that's actually quite interesting. It ends up at Touchstone uh, and it ends up with Tom Cruise attached. Now, Touchstone is, 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 is owned by Disney at this point. Um, so instantly, the film gets lighter and it becomes the glitzy star vehicle. The cocktail throwing stuff was added in after production because uh, the writer like showed them that he used to do this stuff. And then the studio was like, oh, well, that's our hook. We need to focus in on that. Um, Brian Brown, who plays Doug, and, and Kelly Lynch, who plays uh, Doug's wife, uh, were both attached before any of that happened. And they have talked about seeing the changes in the movie uh, going from like this interesting dark character study to a tom cruise movie uh you know a glitzy star vehicle let's go to jamaica and have a great time uh movie and they've all since uh said that they don't consider this to be uh a good movie cruise himself has said that he doesn't necessarily see it as a good movie he He said said it was i think he he described it as not a crowning jewel in his career. Yes, that's what he called it. Yeah. <laughs> and not even that long after the movie came out, he said that in like the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, it was 1992, so it would have been what? It was four years. Yeah. Uh, it has something like yes. a... I, I don't take much stock in Rotten Tomatoes, but it's got a 7%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but Adam, Adam, to be fair, to be fair, it's got 12% on Metacritic. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I tell you what, though. Giant fucking hit, right, Tom? Yeah, yeah. It had a twenty million dollar budget, uh, and box office was one hundred and seventy one and a half million. A hundred and seventy million for this movie. Yeah, yeah. It was huge, and, and it and it was a huge hit for the Beach Boys, who contributed the song to it, and the soundtrack went to like number one all around the world, and it was just a bit of a um. A cultural moment, right? Like you, you'd heard of cocktail before we covered it. Uh, n- I had, I'd heard of cocktail in the sense that um, I'd seen its posters and went fuck that because <laughs> it looks so awful in eighties. I, I looked um, at the posters and went, I'd fuck that. Yeah, I agree with you. Right? Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think this this is surely a sign that Tom Cruise is now. A really bankable star that you yeah. can make a film that reviews this badly and is so empty of any even real appeal beyond look tom cruise is in this film yeah and then it makes what like nine times its budget yeah in, insane yeah yeah this is the movie that just really consolidates him as, as a movie star following uh top gun i think also nominated for four uh four razzies <laughs> Yeah, well, this is an interesting. This is interesting thing. Tom Cruise is apparently the only actor to have starred in both the winner of the Best Picture Oscar and the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Film in the same year. Really? But that can't be this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he was uh, he was in the uh, Rain Man in nineteen eighty eight. Of course, which won Best Picture. Spoilers, and he was in Cocktail nineteen eighty eight, 
with Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Film. That's mad. It also it also won Worst Screenplay. Uh, and he was nominated for Worst Actor, and Roger Donaldson was nominated for Worst Director. Which is all absolutely fair. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he doesn't perf- Tom Cruise isn't good in this movie. He's not. Is is Cocktail like quite a big uh movie in over in the States, Haley? I haven't heard anybody reference it uh at right. all in my adulthood, so <laughs> <Okay>. no. <laughs> is it a point of American shame where everyone went and saw it and now nobody wants to speak of it happening? I... So brush it under the carpet, like nah, I don't remember that. Potentially. I mean if it it came out the year I was born, so it's now at the generation where like no one needs to remember it. That's I mean true. people still remember yeah. Top Gun though. Yeah, yeah but that has a better. like a certain something, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You've summed it up. To, uh, you've, you've you've summed it up. No one needs to remember it. That's a really good. That's a really good observation. Um, the 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 jump in Tom Cruise's on-screen persona from Color of Money to Cocktail is vast. Uh, and I watched them back to back. Uh, I I literally um, watched Color of Money, typed up my notes, and then started Cocktail, and it was like a, a transformation. Um, and I I have a hunch as to what the uh, the 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 reason is. Um, in uh, like around 1987, when he was in pre-production for Cocktail and post-production for Color of Money, he met Mimi Rogers, uh, and it was during this period that she introduced him. To Scientology, uh, Mimi Rogers' father, Phil Spickler, turned out is, is an incredibly close friend of the founding father of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, and through their uh, close relationship, um, Rogers was a, a pretty well-respected auditor. Tom Cruise, we know, has always been uh, spiritual. He, you know, spent a year in in a sem- seminary learning to be a priest before he. Uh, became an actor and so he's always been looking for that connection and he's also hell-bent on becoming the world's biggest movie star so ta-da Scientology is like the perfect fit for Tom Cruise in this moment and he didn't publicly announce that he was a Scientologist for a number of years probably due to the proximity uh, of the uh, in 1988 the fairly recent FBI raids uh, on Scientology uh, due to their uh, Operation Snow White have you guys heard of Operation Snow White no. It was an operation inside Scientology. It was a criminal conspiracy to purge all unflattering records of founder L. Ron Hubbard from official and government systems. And the FBI raid on that uh, is what meant that the secretive tenets of the religion were brought to the public eye. Nobody really had any idea about Xenu or Thetans or atomic bombs in the heart of a volcano or auditing until all of that information came out from the FBI raid. Um, so Tom Cruise is audited under his birth name, Thomas Mopotha IV, uh, at a place called the Enhancement Centre in Sherman Oaks. Uh, and he has later claimed, amongst other things, uh, that this initial auditing cured his dyslexia, which is interesting. It presented issues within uh, Scientology because... At that point, Mimi Rogers was like top of the pecking order there. She's like the most famous uh, Scientologist. 
through her parents, obviously, who had been close to her on Hobbit since 1957. Uh, but her parents had eventually left the Sea Org. I don't know how, like, I don't know how much you know about Scientology. I know a weird amount about Scientology. But the Sea Org is kind of the name of uh, the organization, uh, like, Basically, you work for the Sea Org if you follow Scientology and stay within their buildings. Um, they left the Sea Org, Mimi Rogers' parents, but continued to practice Scientology outside of the organization, which is hugely frowned upon by the religion. They refer to those people as squirrels. Um, now, obviously, Tom Cruise at this point, huge star, so they have to keep him. He cannot become a symbol for the squirrels, he has to become a symbol for the organization. So as soon as Tom Cruise, through Mimi Rogers, shows any interest in Scientology, the grooming immediately begins. It's so immediate. He is priority number one. And we're gonna get we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. David Miscavige, who uh, at that point and is still today the leader of Scientology, immediately has uh, Tom Cruise taken to Gold Base in its secret desert location uh, in 1989. But obviously a lot of the work that Scientology does is about confidence and consolidating your persona into a very focused uh, kind of place. And that's what happened, I think, between uh, sort of Colour of Money and Cocktail. Colour of Money is what, 1986, right? Yep. Yeah, and Cocktail's... 1988, those kind of two years are Tom Cruise focusing in, using Scientology to become this really, like, focused performer. And there you go. The the, the story of Tom Cruise's trials and tribulations with Scientology has begun, Tom. Oh, great. We managed to get, like, ten episodes in without having to actually tackle the wonderfully bumpy road that is organised religion. Yeah. yeah. And now, yeah. And now we have to on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's a big part of why he's as successful as he is, I think. Yeah. Uh, especially now that he seems to be distancing himself from it. Well, he doesn't need it anymore, does he? But we're getting like 40 episodes ahead of ourselves. Oh, uh, God. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you had many run-ins with Scientology, Haley? Is it, you know, rampant? Is there a Scientologist on every corner of the street in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's certainly, uh, I mean, I live close to Los Angeles, so driving up to LA to do, uh, to go to concerts or whatever, you're going to see the Scientology building. Uh, of course, the big God. blue thing, right? Yeah. So like, it's prevalent, yeah. but it's not like, it's not like your average person you meet, you're like, you're a Scientologist, I know it. It's more just like, celebrities it's rampant mm, yeah that's i think true. i had to do a yui in la and i think i might have pulled into the scientology <laughs> building you're on some kind of it. list now yeah because it was just sort of like oh god oh god for sure i know there's yeah. a building in new york uh, obviously everything everything and everyone is in new york <laughs> of course so. i'm <laughs> i'm i'm in brighton in the uk there's one near here um they have a big uh mansion in uh east sussex uh, where Tom Cruise, I believe, is currently living. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, we have one more thing uh, to do before we bring mm. the podcast to the end, and that is, of course, our game 
that we like to play. Uh, see if we can even the scores up a little bit more because Tom, you've really been running away with it. Basically, um, basically, uh, each week we alternate. Only one of us is allowed to have read the trivia page for IMDb, uh, and that person will, to the other person, give them three facts. Only two are correct, and one is one they've made up. Uh, this is called Two Crews and a Lie. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Tom, it's my turn this week. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to give you three facts. One I've made up. Two are taken from the IMDb trivia page. You just have to guess which one it is. Haley, you can confer. Please help Tom out if you know the answer. Okay. Number one. Paul Newman was the studio's original choice for Doug in hopes to reunite him with Tom Cruise and just repeat the success of The Colour of Money. Okay. Number two. Actress Gina Gershon stated in a podcast interview that during their bed scene, Tom Cruise knew she was extremely ticklish and tickled her so hard they both fell off the bed. It was, in fact, the take used in the movie. Okay. I feel like we might have covered that. Number two. But, no, well, you don't know. Yeah. Well, you don't know. I might, I, don't changed, know sure. I might have changed a little fact. I might have brought it up earlier to throw you off the scent. Right, yeah. Uh, and number three. Despite not owning a dog, Tom Cruise was constantly seen being followed by four dogs for the entirety of the shoot, leading to most of his scenes being shot from the waist up. <laughs> which one? <laughs> which one do you think I've made up? <laughs> Haley, do you have any uh, have any thoughts there? Honestly, I'm guessing that the first one is the made up one, just because the last one's so absurd. I really hope it's true. We well, see, you see, there's a there's a running theme here, Haley. Where is that? The first one, I always genuinely have to give. I have to give genuine thought. I go, okay, that sounds like it could be made up. And then when we get to number three, Adam says something absolute nonsense like that. What do you mean? But now, but now that you've said that, now I'm thinking: what this if number three true. is true? That could be true. What if he's throwing? What if he's throwing me off? Mm. Maybe he's done this for like seven weeks, it and now seem, he's all. It does like, seem unlikely now. that the studio would just want to cast Paul Newman again, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, also, but also, studios <laughs> are obnoxious yeah. like that. But also, do yeah, you think I mean, that despite cast- not owning a dog, Tom Cruise was constantly seen being followed by four dogs for the entirety of the shoot, <laughs> leading to most of his scenes being shot from the waist up? I mean, you know, what, what do you can you imagine? Can you imagine them in, <laughs> in, the, in the kitchen scenes talking about Jamaica, doing his Jamaican accent? There's just four dogs around his crotch. I have to imagine. I've seen the behind the scenes. Uh... <laughs> They did have those weird shots in the beginning of Cocktail with all of the dogs and the guy cleaning up after a dog. Maybe they inserted those scenes just to make sure mm. that if they saw a dog, yeah, in that's one of the Tom Cruise's feet. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What are we going for, Tom? Well, I do feel like a film that um, just literally cast Tom Cruise solely to make the film successful because the film has nothing else go for it. I I do think that that is exactly the sort of mentality a studio would have is is to go, you know, what's really good. Color of Money. Paul Newman was in that. Shall we pay Paul Newman to be in Cocktail? Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with three, Adam. I'm gonna go say three is the uh, is the uncruth. Oh, you are good. You are good, Tom. That's one hundred percent on on the ones that I've I've put forward. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, that that is of course how and why we play two crews and a lie. 
I I can't believe you got that much discussion out of which one would be would be <laughs> insane. Haley, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this weird odyssey through one of the the stranger films that we've covered um, on the podcast. It's been an absolute uh, delight uh, to have you. You'll have to come back, pick, pick a Tom Cruise film to. that's like much later in in, in the run, and, and we'll do another one. Um, but in, in the meantime, while people are waiting for that, where where can they go and find you? Where are you on Twitter? You have some podcast projects coming up, right? Yeah, uh, so I have a new podcast coming out soon uh, called But I'm a Podcaster, a podcast on queer cinema. Uh, that'll be coming up. Um, and uh, TBA, TBA on when exactly, but soon enough. Um, and then I am also doing, uh, I'm co-hosting uh, on Rooney's podcast called uh, Saturday Night at the Rubies, um, yes. which you can also she find. She told us about that. Um, yes. <laughs> Which is a fantastic name, and I love that she came up with that. Uh, and then, yeah, you can find, uh, I don't know, you can find me on Twitter, I guess, uh, which I believe is just under H Manbat or something like that. Um, it is something like that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and anyone, anyone curious, I'll have tagged you in the post about <laughs> this episode, so they can just go to that one. There that you works go. Best. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, listeners, come and let us know what you think of, of Cocktail. Uh, find us and how to get to Haley's Twitter uh, on <laughs> Twitter or on Instagram at CruiseViewsPod. Email us in. We've had some emails, Tom, but they're, um, they're for specific movies, so I'm saving them for then. Yeah. Um, CruiseViewsPodcast at gmail.com. Send us in your thoughts. We'll read them out. Uh, also, come and find us on on letterboxd that's fun uh why not i'm adam glasspool my profile picture is just a picture of tom cruise uh and tom you're uh you're, i'm tom cruise with a black and white picture of a big ugly mug you're not tom cruise though are you tom no, we've had to have this discussion ashford. a lot of times you're tom ashford aren't you tom oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh. yeah i mean you, you are an author is is that the picture that you use on the inside cover of your book <laughs> Yeah, and I blow it up so it's a full page. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So the first right. page they open it, it's like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but until then, listeners, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Rain Man before next week's episode. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Mm-hmm.